Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the fifth down. Um, we got my guys here, Ju- Brad and Junie, with me tonight. We're going to be uh, discussing episodes five and six of The Last Dance. And we're also going to be discussing UFC 249. Yes, we do have live sports. Oh, and I am your host, Jose Manuel. By the way, what's up, guys? What's going on? How's it going? It's going. Not much, man. Excited for the UFC this weekend. Absolutely. No sports, no replays. We'll see how it goes. We'll right. see how it goes. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy how much replay we saw of the NFL draft. So, you know, ESPN is hurting for for live content. I mean, so much that we got the South Korean baseball league. <laughs> yeah, but but you know what's been killing it? Ratings for them is the last dance. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It's been killing it for them. But honestly, there could be all the sports in the world, and you got the last dance. People are going to be watching the last dance. That was going to kill yeah. it in no matter what i mean when you yeah. got the goat when you got a documentary about the goat you're yeah, gonna and i think because there is no sports you know there are more people that are willing to oh, watch absolutely. It. oh but right. you know who's not watching patrick ewing he said that he will not be watching because he does not want to be reminded of his misery from the 90s yeah uh, but you know who is watching isaiah thomas <laughs> he's definitely watching and 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 he's sure. still you know, he's still just being a straight bitch you know just like yeah. said. But, you know, it's crazy, though, because what we're seeing more and more come out from this documentary is that Michael Jordan definitely had a very controversial career. I mean, maybe yeah. it, was, it, was, it was masked by the fact that he is so great, but he was not a perfect man. No, 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 absolutely not. And, and I think what it, it's just what like it, everybody else. I think what it comes down to is you can't, you know, you can't make – you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs here. Um, he was lucky in the fact that he didn't grow up in the age that we have now. Social media, everything, you know, going viral, everything being leaked. I mean, back then it was definitely easier to maintain a private life. I mean, there, there have been reports that, uh, I don't know if it's been confirmed, but Michael Jordan had an agreement with the grocery store that they would shut it down just so he could go shopping. Yeah, I was reading that. Uh-huh. So I mean, to him, he really liked his privacy, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how he'd fare in today's world, but luckily for us, he didn't have to deal with it. Yeah, definitely. Something I did find interesting though was um, Chris Hodges, who was his teammate for four years, came out Craig. and said, "Yeah, Craig, thank you." Craig, mm-hmm. um, he did not particularly appreciate Michael Jordan calling, like you know. Like um, the atmosphere, um, like around his rookie season, a cocaine circus. Even though Craig was not his teammate then, he still talks about, you know, and you hear this all the time from sports. No matter what sport it is, you always hear that it's a fraternity and that what goes on in the locker room, you know, is, you know, kept hush hush between the boys. Like you don't, you don't share it with the, with the media. You don't, you, you, even if you write a memoir 20 years later, you did not divulge stuff like that. So I just found it a little surprising that, that you know, that MJ was so comfortable calling it a cocaine circus because, you know, these, just like Craig Hodges said, these guys have families now. They're grown up. Like, you know, they have to explain to their kids why, and their grandkids, why, you know, why Michael Jordan is saying that their locker room was a cocaine circus. Um, I don't know if you guys found that to be a bit of a, kind of an overstep by Jordan, um, kind of throwing his teammates under the bus? 
I don't, and, I don't find that surprising. I think, I think Jordan is just real, you know, and he, he was just expressing how, you know, not every teammate, but the teammates he saw, you know, there was extra, extra uh, curricular activity going on. And I just feel like he, you know, was just describing how it was to him. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I mean, I mean, they did it, you know, it's something that you just can't sweep it under the rug. If someone went public with it, you know, just open up and say, yeah, it happened. And it's in the past and just deal with it. I mean, yeah, I understand that it's a, it's a fraternity, but, but that kind of thinking is a, it's pretty toxic and bad to society. Think of, think of all the hush hush uh, lies that have been kept secret or, you know, every law that's been broken because, you know, it's a brotherhood. I think, mm-hmm. I think that's just a, a, a bad thing to adhere to. I mean, if someone's doing something you don't agree with, I mean, you don't have to participate, but at the same time, you also don't have to keep your mouth shut. No, absolutely. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I mean, again, you know, Craig Hodges, he was one of the hard asses in the NBA. You know, he was a, he was a hard worker. He was a, one of the great locker room leaders. And mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, he was one of those like Charles Oakley, that type that, you know, would die before um, revealing any secrets from the locker room. But I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with what Jordan said, but yeah, I don't know if you guys remember, but when Kobe and Shaq had the falling out, and then Kobe had the issues with the sexual sex abuse claims. Um, he had the rape case against him. He divulged that that Shaq used to pay women to keep it on the download, or that he was paying women on the side um, and was cheating on his wife. And he got a lot of heat from that from the boys, you know, not only his teammates but also around the NBA because he kind of broke one of those unwritten rules. So. Do you guys foresee Jordan getting any heat from this other than from Craig Hodges? No, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, when the information is actually divulged. You know, we are, you know, 30 years, 20, 20 years from, 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 from when these, in, from when the incidents occurred. Whereas, you know, when that information was divulged, it was then and there. It was like, it was real time. I think there's a, huge difference between, you know, divulging something as it's happening or, you know, a couple of weeks after, after it occurred versus, you know, this 20, 25 years that, that, that we're now made aware of it. Yeah, totally. Like you take, you know, Nick Young and um, Swaggy P when that incident happened, like I thought that was kind of fucked up on uh, 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 D'Angelo. Was it D'Angelo Russell? Yeah. D'Angelo oh yeah, Russell, yeah. D'Angelo Russell's part, and um, just like what Brad is saying, I think it's different when it happens at the time compared to happening, you know, years down the road where, you know, you guys are telling stories back and forth, and it, it's totally different. I can I can definitely see that, but one that I did not agree with MJ on was when he said that Horace Grant was the one revealing the locker room secrets um, to the, the, to the journalist that um, reported on like stuff going on with Jordan and with the, within the team, like um, when the story came out of him punching Will Purdue in practice, stuff like that. The fact that, you know, he just completely threw um, Horace under the bus, you know, Horace has refuted all of that and we'll never know what the true side is, but that one does seem like it was more in the moment because from that 
from the first moment, Jordan said it was Horace. So I don't know if that one you guys would agree MJ was out of line and um, calling his teammate out. I mean, someone was leaking it. I don't know if it was actually Horace or not. The reporter in question was Sam Smith. Um, and the book in question was, you know, Jordan rules. I mean, it was really one of the only, you know, one of the only things that the media could could paint bad on Jordan at the time. But I mean, I, I don't know if he was the snitch. Um, if he was, he was. But if he wasn't, he wasn't. Um, Jordan has every right, you know, to make that accusation. And Horace Grant has every right to defend himself on that. Um, now, he makes the accusation. He obviously has to, to back up his accusation. Um, and he needs to come forward with that information if, you know, if he's going to maintain that level of credibility. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Okay. Um, you know, so episode five jumps right into the Kobe and MJ um, relationship. You know, like, and especially like just how we've been talking about how Jordan was not the most approachable guy. The fact that you would, that you saw actual video of him at the all-star game in the locker room talking about how Kobe was the next big thing. The fact that MJ would say that about anybody, does that kind of show you guys how he really did take Kobe under his wing from day one? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I thought it was, it was special to see them, you know, Jordan talking about Kobe in the locker room and, you know, saying, you know, how Kobe, you know, is a ball hog pretty much and he's going to take all the shots. And it, it was just so interesting to hear Jordan talk about how this guy who was pretty much, you know, a clone of Jordan is, is pretty much going to be the next big thing. But yeah, I didn't, yeah but the thing I did not like, though, is that how um, I felt like there was going to be more Kobe stuff and it, yeah. kind, of, same, it kind of fell same. off. Yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much Kobe stuff he could put in it. But, yeah, in, in that locker room discussion, I mean, Michael isn't really aware of it. First, he calls him, you know, that Laker boy. You know, he's not going to wait for the game to come to him. He's going to go and attack the game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that just spoke of Kobe's, you know, Mamba mentality. You saw that he had it that at that young of an age to where he wasn't going to wait for the game to come to him. He was going to go and take the game over as much as he could. I mean, yeah, definitely a lot of learning moments. Um, and, yeah, it was just one of those things where, you know, like greatness knows when greatness is going to happen. They have this sensation about it. And I think, you know, Jordan had that feeling about Kobe. Um, yeah, and definitely showed. Yeah, and then, I mean, the little bit that they did interview Kobe and that Kobe divulged, I mean, oh, man, it, it was hard to watch, man, because it almost seemed like Kobe was giving his own eulogy. You know, like, you know, like in your eulogy, you go through the life of a person. Like, it really felt like he was a person that knew life was like, you know, like ending soon and he needed to get things off his chest. Like, it's just, it's crazy when you see, yeah, you know, uh, last interview I think, of people and, yeah. And I think this is one of the, the stark differences between Jordan and Kobe. So often we compare them on the court when really you should also compare them off the court and how they handle it. Uh, I think Kobe took a lot more social responsibility and was a lot more open than Jordan after he retired. I mean, if you take a look how how prevalent he's, he's been on social media and with the NBA, the WNBA and his daughter, it was so much more so than what Jordan did 
you know, after he retired. And, you, you know, it just shows when, when he does all these interviews and, and especially the interview that he did with Tracy McGrady, you know, he just does all these interviews and, or did all these interviews and really gives you a different look into the Mamba mentality. Absolutely. Yeah. But it was, it was a great first five minutes. And honestly, even though the rest of episode five was a great watch, it was hard for me to get my focus back into the rest of that episode because like those first five minutes were so packed with just like, Oh my God, Kobe and, and Jordan. And then it, it just, it made the the rest of the episode, you know, I had to go back and rewatch it. Um, yeah. I mean, but I mean, just to recap it, I mean, you know, they talk about the converse possible signing and how much Nike paid for him. And you know how, how they said, you know, if we make 3 million, you know, it's a success. But they they made like twenty seven million in, yeah, in the first year, and that was just this, like if that that didn't let you know how big this kid was, yeah. And I never knew that uh that he had he he really wanted Adidas. That was his preference. And the, I also found it crazy how um, Nike was talked about as an upstart, and now it's yeah. Like, I mean, they were an upstart icon. at the time. Yeah, it is a global icon of sports clothing and and footwear. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The top. And the top brand right now. Absolutely. And then the next big thing that was talked about in episode five was the the Olympics, the '92 Olympics, um, the Dream Team. So you know qualifications were pretty much you know to be a great player um either a veteran that had won championships already or a guy in his prime so that's why you know you had guys like Barkley um you had Malone they they hadn't won championships but they they had all-star pedigree but then you had guys like Magic Johnson who had retired the previous year but they were they you know they honored him by allowing him to play in this tournament um, you had Larry Bird, who was in his final season. Um, but one guy that was left off was Isaiah Thomas. Do you, you know, and, and they bring up how, how Jordan, you know, when they call him to pique his interest, he says, um, well, you know, I have some concerns. And they were like, well, if it's about that guy, he's not on the team. Um, do you guys think it was Jordan, or do you guys think it was more the fact that no one liked Isaiah? I think it was a combination of two. Jordan had the he had the largest voice. He was the, the world's most popular athlete at the time. Of course, that's going to weigh heavily, but at the same time, you know, when he rubs a lot of these players the wrong way, and they're really indifferent to him being on the team, he's not going to make it. I mean, don't forget Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson had a feud. Isaiah Thomas was not was not a saint by any means. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely agree. But I, I think Isaiah should have been on there just because, I mean, a guy like Christian Leitner, Chris Mullen, they had good careers, but Isaiah Thomas was... Stockton. Even John Stockton, it doesn't pale in comparison to Isaiah Thomas. I think, I think oh, Stockton John belongs Stockton on there. Than, than, yeah. than, than Thomas. Stockton belongs Assist on there. leader? He's oh, a, he, no, he, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. But no, Isaiah's in another league. No, no, yeah. In the G League compared to John Stockton. No, the G no, no, no. League. And get I, it straight. I, I, no, 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 no. Get John it straight. Stockton was a better no, team. no, no. He was less no, problematic. No, no. But Isaiah but, Thomas was a better player. 
Penelio is not, not in any aspect of the word, but I mean, just getting back to the discussion, the dream team, I mean, there, if you actually just watch, because there was a dream team documentary you can watch, and there was actually a section in there when they're playing down here in San Diego, um, SDSU, uh, they let the dream team play against these college kids. And the college kids won. They were running circles around them. And, like, if you just watch it, I think it's like a 15-minute clip. But Chuck Daly knew what he was doing. He wanted these old veterans to get whipped up on by these younger players, like Chris Weber, uh, Christian Leitner. All these younger players were just running the floor, and they had no answer. It was because they weren't playing as a team. So, like, it's it's a good sub, sub uh, supplemental video to what you're watching. But, and in terms of this, I mean, another interesting thing was the Tony Kukoc situation. Yeah. Um, you know, um, again, just going back with uh, Jerry Krause, um, he really want, he really liked Tony Kukoc, and Michael and Scotty didn't like the fact that he liked them so much. So they really took it at him in game one. Uh, he did better in the uh, in the gold medal game, but yeah, th- they were not taking it easy on him. Now, Judy, would you say um, they were more upset that he went to negotiate Tony Kukoc's contract before renegotiating Scotty, or was it just like, oh, he might be the next big thing in, on our team, so we gotta be tough on him? I think it's primarily dealing with Scotty Pippen's contract. I mean. At that time, you know, they saw him up and coming and, you know, they wanted Tony Kukos to prove that he was good enough to not only be on the Bulls, but, you know, to to deserve the money that he was going to get. So by Jordan and, and Pippen roughing him up and 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 uh, I think he always scored about like five points in the first game, right? Yeah, I mean, it's tough when 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 Michael and Scotty tell the rest of the dream team that, no, we're the only ones playing defense on him. You let us play defense. Like, we're talking about first-team all-defensive players. Right. Yeah, it wasn't easy for Tony. But that's what great players do, you know. You, you hear that from LeBron. You hear that from Kobe, too. Like, they'd always talk about how, like, when, you know, a guy on the opposing team was just red hot. Um, you well, know, it was never def- red hot to begin with. I mean, they were just out to prove that, hey, Jerry, yeah. you know, we're, we're definitely better than, 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 these, than these guys. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Tony Kukoc ended up being a great teammate. So He was. And I don't think Tony took it personally. It wasn't really an attack on Tony. I think it was more or less an attack on, you know, Jerry Krause through how they played against Tony Kukoc in that game. Um, no, and, you know, and I think, too, they said, they said it best in the commentary. If, if MJ and Scotty thought that this kid couldn't handle it, then they weren't seeing the war conditions of his country and the poverty that, he, that they live in. Um, oh, yeah. So, like, you know, they were like, if they thought that he wasn't mentally tough, then obviously they, they weren't following, you know, the conditions he was, you know, living yeah. in and playing under. And, I mean, the, the gold medal game, Tony Kukoc had a much better game. You know, he actually had a very good career with Chicago. So, they, they definitely knew he could play. They definitely knew he could play. Yeah, absolutely. His best years were definitely in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, a solid player. Shoot the ball, long, super athletic. He yeah, was, he'd really, he was he'd really do good. Like right now, like right. he was he was the prototype to the to the modern day European player that you're seeing. Right. 
Yeah, and you know they also brought up how they had a, a scrimmage when they first got to um, when they first start uh, got together for the Olympics, and yep, in Italy. Mm-hmm. And then um, Magic Johnson stirred the pot with Michael, and you know, like pretty much told him, like, "Come on, great one!" Like, you know, pretty much like you know, talking trash, telling him like, "Where, where's the great one?" And then you know, from that moment on, Jordan did not miss another shot. And, and 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 you know that like they talked about the pride of these guys. They were so quiet on the bus because everyone was so pissed off that Michael Jordan made them look so stupid. And, no, I don't think it was that that they were pissed off that Michael made it look so so stupid. I think they were really mad because the game meant that much to all of them, and they like like this wasn't about a ring or you know wins and losses. This was about pride. You yeah. know they. Everyone on that court wanted to win, aside from Christian Leitner, who really did nothing. You know, they, they said there was nothing a rookie could do. Yeah, and, you know, it was broken up by uh, by that joke that Magic said, you know, I guess we shouldn't have uh, pissed Michael off. Um, but, yeah. That's how you feel. Yeah. The ultimate competitors, all of them. I mean, talking about the best NBA players, you know, that we've seen in a, you know, the talent is, is, is insane that was on that court. And just to watch them go at it and bark at each other and, and, and yeah, Jordan absolutely. fucking being competitive, competitive as fuck. I mean, yeah, this is great, dude. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it was a different type of uh, competitiveness because we're used to, you know, seeing it today when they get into these uh, Olympic, uh, you know, qualifications, it's really one-on-one ball. It's really hero ball. Whereas with this, no, it was a lot of team ball, a lot yeah. of passing it around. Um, y- you know, it was just like, okay, Barkley hits the shot. Magic goes and chirps in Malone's ear, says, oh, you, you let him hit that shot on you. And then, you know, and then, and then another player hits the shot. He goes in, you know, talks his mouth to the uh, to, to his teammate, says, why you let him hit that shot? Yeah, I mean, like everyone on that court wanted to win, but at the same time, only one team could. That I, I think it was just if you've never seen or heard about that, that Olympics, it's it's one of them that it's pretty telling. Absolutely. And then you know, episode six, the main focus was that ninety two ninety three season. Mm-hmm. I think you know we just assume oh you know the Bulls they won six and eight years. Um, there were no no doubts around the team, but it really seemed like this season that season 92-93 was mirrored with a lot of controversy you know yeah yeah and we alluded to it earlier it really starts with uh with uh, the jordan rules um yeah. you know and jordan wasn't a fan of the media at the time and we get introduced to um something that hadn't been talked about in this um documentary yet but something that we know is well documented overall and it's MJ's um, addiction to gambling. Um, uh, he's not addicted to gambling. He's addicted to comp- competition, I get. You can there there we go. Because, I mean, the fact that he wasn't just gambling cards, the fact that he was gambling on golf, like... like Coins. Was, like, yeah. You, you playing coin games. Yeah. Well, I think, I, I think it was really best summed up where uh, they were talking about the card games on the plane, and you know, Paxson and Purdue, they they're playing their game in BJ. I'm sorry, they're playing their games for dollar, yeah, dollar bill, right? And they were playing, you know, 
high stakes, oh, yeah, you know, hundred dollar, thousand, thousand dollar game. And Michael said, "It's not about the money. I want to be able to say that I have your money in my pocket." Yeah, and and I think that they just wanted to win. Absolutely, you know, and it's so funny because like here you have like you have like Ron Harper, Scotty in the back they're they're playing fucking thousand dollar hands and and like then you got the the white guys in the front you got will purdue and and john paxson and and, and bj armstrong playing one dollar hands oh, $1 I'm like, hands yeah it's so it's so funny when you hear that the guys are playing for one dollar with will purdue and and paxson but you know of course jordan had to go take their dollar too yeah ultimate competitor that's that's what jordan was whether it was a thousand dollars, whether it's a dollar, whether it's a quarter, he just yeah. wanted to beat you. He wanted to win that quarters game. We all saw that. Now, somewhere yeah. where I do think Jordan got unfairly criticized is when it gets to the playoffs, and he skips out after game one in New York and goes with his father to Atlantic City. I really think that had more to do with the fact that Jordan just wanted to get away. I mean, I mean, the fact that people were doubting where his head was at, I, I found that to be really stupid. I mean, this guy had already won two championships. You know, they were competing for number three. And the fact that you would even doubt his his mindset, I just – I really think, like you said, Brad, he was sick of the media and he wanted to get away. And, you know, he went with his dad and he was back in the hotel by midnight. Yeah. And, I mean, to just put that into perspective, I mean, imagine being the world's not just most – popular basketball player, but the most identifiable figure on the planet. And, you know, a guy that likes his privacy and he, you don't really have it. And now you're being scrutinized and they're asking the same questions over and over again. I mean, they were down 2-0 to, to New York. And I mean, yeah, I mean, he just really wanted to get away from them. Um, you know, I, 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 he was definitely unfairly criticized and we all know um, what happened? They go and win the series, but I think history would have been totally different had they not won that series. They would have pointed to that moment as this is why you lost. Yeah. yeah. Um, it hasn't yeah. gotten to that point, but what do you think that he took a break from basketball because he was tired truly? Or do you think he retired the first time because his father was assassinated? Uh, I don't know if he's been if he was assassinated. Um, death has been, you know, there's been no conclusion about it. But I think it was a combination too. I mean, he wanted a break from the game, and you know, this just happened to happen, and it was the one that pushed him over. Yeah, I think it was a little of both. I thought he was tired of explaining himself all the time to the media and you know, the media not understanding that he was just competitive. You know? Yeah, because like, I don't even think with LeBron or, or Kobe, we've seen the amount of harassment that Jordan received from the media. I, I mean, there have been moments. I mean, Kobe definitely when he had the trial. But with Jordan, he was, he was the dude. I mean, you're winning championships. You are at the top of the world. And, and – and after a while, you know, you just get really tired of all of these questions. You know, he, he just just cracked and, you know, he just didn't want to deal with it. And baseball would provide that that piece because, you know, he was going to go to a small town, double-A affiliate, 
he wasn't going to be playing in Chicago for the White Sox. So, like, he knew that, you know, he, it, he would not be a distraction and it would be a break from all of that for him. He was able to live a life for a couple of years there. Yeah, it was first love baseball, you know. One of the interesting things that I did take from uh, episode six was um, was how much Jordan really liked to smoke cigars. Yes. Like I, I that like I knew he liked them, but I didn't know he liked them that much. And the scene where they're actually drinking, what was it, Miller, uh, yeah. after the game, like, um, you know, obviously sports science didn't really catch up to him. At, at that point in time, and they weren't really that invested. But, yeah, I couldn't see someone like LeBron James doing any of that today because that dude is all about his body. And, yeah. you know, it, it's so different to see it now. And what was also really interesting was uh, was how fast he wanted to get off that practice court to go and play golf. <laughs> totally. I mean, yeah, I mean, they already, you know, they're going on their sixth championship. They, they definitely earned that right. But, man. They did not no, want to I'm, surprised, I'm surprised that Jordan, like at 40, when he was done all together with basketball, he didn't try to pursue a, a career in golf. Not good enough, man. Not good enough. Yeah. But, you know, Jordan, he's the ultimate competitor. I wouldn't have been surprised if he would have done that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to know what is in his drink. Like when you see him now and he's, you know, um, talking – he always he has like a drink next to him, and it fluctuates depending on what what part of the uh, episode he's talking in. I really want to. I want to know what's up with his eyes. Like, what's going on with his eyes? Like, his eyes over his like. Oh, he's orange. always had that that, that that bloodshot look. Yeah, yeah. like that bloodshot. Um, but like, but I honestly think the drink is probably a whiskey. Some type of whiskey. Yeah, cognac. Some some something there. I, that. I mean, he's he's one of those guys that you know he's all about that life now. You know, and just to finish up on Jordan, um, what do you guys think about his um, falling out with uh, Charles Barkley? Um, you know, I haven't because uh, he didn't like the criticism he got. Um, it's unfortunate. But, you know, just because, you know, you were good competitors doesn't necessarily mean you always stay on terms. I mean, hopefully the relationship can repair itself. I mean, we saw that with Kobe and Shaq. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things where they're just having a falling out. I agree. All right. Well, you know, that was episodes five and six um, of the, the last dance. And now we're going to move on to, to the last part of our, of our episode today, which is UFC 249. Yeah, man, it's a stacked card for uh, UFC 249. It's going to be live from Jacksonville, Florida. Um, it's going to be behind closed doors. Um, it is going to be at a decent-sized arena. It's going to be at the Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena. Um, it holds up to 14,000 people for um, game, whether it's basketball, hockey, or um, fight nights. So, I mean, it's a big venue, but it's going to be completely empty of everyone except, like, essential personnel and the fighters. Um, I think all the fighters – had to be put through testing to make sure that, you know, there's no no danger here to any of the performers. But do you guys feel like it's ris- risky to be putting on this show? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you really have to 
play your cards carefully. I mean, we're talking about athletes and, you know, yeah, they want to get paid, but at the same time, you could messing with people's livelihoods here at this point in time. But I mean, I think all these fighters are fully aware of that and they've taken into, into, you know, consideration. They definitely wouldn't be there if they, they were concerned. Yeah, it's definitely a big risk, but they've taken all the uh, precautions um, to make it as safe as possible. And these fighters understand that if they don't fight, they're not going to make any money. So I feel like fighters are, 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 are the ones that are going to be out there first, if anything, um, when a pandemic uh, goes down like this. So I think it's the right move for the UFC and, and they have to show uh, all the other sports leagues how to move forward. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, you know, I mean, Florida's allowing um, WWE and AEW to be taping their shows. So they've considered them uh, essential businesses. So why, why shouldn't the UFC be able to put on a show? As long as they're all taking, you know, the proper precautions. Um, but how do you, how do you guys see the conditioning being affected? And, to, you know, how much training do you guys think these guys have been able to do um, in isolation and with the quarantine and everything? Someone on this card didn't do their, their conditioning. And a lot of them probably have. But, yeah, someone's going to run out of gas. <laughs> Yeah, conditioning is going to be off. Uh, I know some of these trainers or these fighters have private gyms, so they've always uh, are running a, a, a tighter camp. So I think for a guy like Tony Ferguson, I think he's going to be fine because I, I think he only trains with three or four people at most. Um, but, you know, for a fighter like Francis Ngannou or Greg Hardy, you know, the conditioning might be different, especially uh, when it comes to the cardiovascular. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we're looking at the main card preliminaries, you know, it's a stat show. Um, of course, headlined by Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethy, and then you got Henry Cejudo and Dominic Cruz. Um, you even got Francis Ngannou, like you guys mentioned, he's going to be a part of the show too. Um, I mean, who do you guys consider to be, like, the, the fight to look forward to on the show? There's definitely a lot, but I'll go ahead and let Juni take this one first. Yeah, I think you have to look at the top because you're you're looking at Tony Ferguson, who's been undefeated for I believe seven or eight years now. Twenty-five, uh, three and zero. Yeah, going up against uh, Justin Gaethje, who's a fucking savage, who just mm-hmm. just keeps coming forward. So you got an interim title right there, and the winner faces Khabib. So that's going to be fireworks. And then you head over to uh, Henry Cejudo and Dominic Cruz, another uh, another great fight with uh, Cejudo uh, recently beating um, Mighty Mouse and TJ Dillashaw and Dominic Cruz coming back um, into his groove and, and trying to get back at his title. Okay. What about for you, Brad? Um... I mean, yeah. I mean, those two fights, you know, the main event, co-main event, definitely one that uh, – that everyone's really going to be watching for. But, I mean, Ghana, I mean, I, I like – I mean, I think that's going to be a great fight, you know, for the heavyweights. And then you have uh, – that. Um, what's one of these other cards? Uh, I'm also really looking for one of these prelim fights, uh, Cerrone Pettis. That's going to be really interesting, especially after w- what was leaked about, you know, the mental state, Donald Cerrone going into the Conor McGregor fight. 
or he just didn't want to fight, what sort of mental state is he going to be walking into this fight, especially with the pandemic? Totally different one. I mean, yeah, you have uh, you have Fabricio versus uh, Alexi. I mean, you also have uh, Watterson versus Esparza, Uriah Hall, uh, uh, Jacare. I mean, there, there's a lot of good fights. Definitely stacked. And, and because it's, you know, the first real glimpse of sports that uh, that a lot of people are going to get, I mean, put on a really good show so that you can get new fans. And I think that's that's what UFC was intending, you know, put on the best possible show. And uh, hopefully the fighters perform and there's no no lay in praise and, you know, we get a bunch of uh, KOs and submissions. Absolutely. Yeah, and um, he has brought up in the prelims, we got, you know, Anthony Pettis and Donald Cerrone, you know, two guys that not too far removed from being in the main card. Um, how does this, how does it work that, you know, in a sport like UFC, one pay-per-view, you can be like headlining it or co-headlining it, or at least be in the main card. And then by the next show, you're kind of down to that prelims. Does that just have to do more with wins and losses or is it just such a stacked card that these guys didn't make it onto the main card? I don't know if it's so much wins and losses. It's really the quality of the fights and Cerrone. Yeah. Cerrone Connor was was not of the highest quality that everyone was expecting. Yeah, I think it's uh, they want the prelims to have some sort of high ratings too. Um, but for this card, it's it's stacked from top to bottom, and you know they're just spreading it out everywhere. So I think in this case that you know that that fight right there could have been on the main card, but um, they probably want to give more push to a guy like Greg Hardy um, right now. So. Uh, interesting you bring up Greg Hardy. You know, we all know him because he was a professional football player for about six years before, you know, he got into some controversy with everything that went down with his girlfriend and with the arms possession that he got um, put in jail for. And then he, he had to kind of remove himself from the NFL and he started the fight career. How have you guys seen his progression so far as a fighter? He's been really good, honestly. His transition um, has been smooth. I thought it was going to be, uh, you know, a circus show with an athlete or a football player coming into mixed martial arts, but his transition, his transition has been really smooth, and he's showing progress not only by his stand-up game but also his wrestling game. So I think he's getting better, and, and I think uh, Dana White um, is, is liking him, and, and, and I think he's proving to a lot of people that, you know, hey, this is my second chance at being a pro athlete. Yeah, yeah, and I think with uh, Greg Hardy, it's really because he is he's an athlete first and foremost. And you put him in any sport, the dude is gonna, you know, do do his best with you know his athletic prowess. And I mean, you see it in some of these fights. I mean, there are obvious flaws in his in his games. He's not, you know, a polished product. But I mean, being five and two and being on the you know, on the main card, it's no small feat. I mean, this dude definitely has a future in, in front of him. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the fight. Okay. Um, do you guys see any any uh, fight on this card that kind of uh, makes you feel like, okay, it's being advertised as, like, a great fight but might end up kind of disappointing the, the fans? Yeah, I think the Ngannou-Rosenstrike one, 
Yeah. It, it, it has that potential to be a, a disappointment because you got two guys who are both knockout artists, two guys who have both power, or power in their right hands. I mean, that fight right there could be a disappointment if both fighters are, you know, hesitant. So if I had to put, put my bet on that, I would probably put it on that fight. Yeah, for, for me, I, I don't think that fight's going to end that way. I, I think so. I think someone is going to be sleeping by the end of that fight. Um, but for me, I, I think one of them um, that, that that really gives me a weird feeling is, is uh, Jeremy Stevens. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it looks like it could be good. It might have, you know, might have moments, but I, I think that's going to go to the cards. Don't really know how exciting of a fight it's going to be. Um but yeah, I, I don't see very many fights in here being that bad. I mean, she's going to come down to how much these fighters are willing to do. You know, well, I'm excited. Um, it's going to be a great night of um, sports, you know, something that we don't get very much of, live sports right now. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's going to be a great fight night. Um, you got your picks? <laughs> what uh, picks on? Yeah, let's do picks. Let's all right, let's let's, let's just start. do the main event. Let's yeah. just uh, yeah. Um, I got Ferguson. Uh, I got, yeah, I got Ferguson uh, too. I think he's probably gonna submit Gaethje, probably in round three. Uh, yeah, you know Ferguson, he's he's underrated, but I mean, just to rock the boat, you know, let's go Justin Gaethje. I mean, I think it's gonna be a. Uh, a uh, great matchup, you know. Like you said, Gaethje is just this dude's just a beast. Like for lightweight, this dude is dangerous. He's gonna he's gonna put him in some bad situations, um, and he also has this you know like honey badger attitude where he just doesn't really care. He's gonna strike from anywhere. It's, he's just gonna be in his face. He's just gonna pressure him. Um, definitely gonna be a violent fight. Um, yeah, j- just to rock the boat, I'll go Gaethje. Justin. Okay. And, you know, for my upset, I got Cruz beating uh, Kehudo. Ooh, that's big. Yeah. I, yeah, I see. Um, I love Cruz. Cruz is, like, one of my favorite fighters. Uh, the guy is, you know, great footwork, you know, great hands, uh, moves around a lot, you know, great takedown defense. But I think Cejudo's on a different level. I, you know, he just has – his game is totally different from um, Dominic Cruz's, and I, I think it's going to – it's not going to end very well for Dominic Cruz. Yeah, Cruz has been out for a while too. Let's keep that in mind. Uh, there's obviously going to be some ring rust involved. But, uh, yeah, um, probably go Henry, KL, round three. Same thing with, you know, the Tony Ferguson fight, picking round three. Uh, Tony Ferguson goes night night. Okay. Yeah, you know it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. You know, and honestly, that's that's what makes UFC so interesting. Like, any guy can go down on any given night. It's one of those sports where, you know, all it takes is one kick, one hit um, that just catches you out of nowhere, and you know you get a guy like Ferguson, a guy like McGregor down, and like. Like um, how McGregor got Josie Aldo in 13 seconds. I mean, it can happen. Yeah. You know? But yeah, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a fun night. 
we're excited. You know, we're going to have live sports, like I said, and we'll see. Um, our Not the same, though. I mean, I'm, I'm really yeah. waiting for, you know, the audience to get involved. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good start. Good start. Absolutely. You know, take its baby steps. I think, mm-hmm. I think MMA will be fine, though, without an audience. I think when people see the, uh, the, the art, you know, the, the flow, you know, the striking, the submission, I think yeah, actually but- people are going to appreciate it more because they're going to actually, instead of paying attention to, to the crowd or, or whatnot, they're going to actually see um, what is happening. So I, I yeah. think they'll be fine. But the thing that, I mean, 248, right? That's the one without the audience in Brazil. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that didn't feel the same to me. Hopefully it's, it's, not, it's not the same. Uh, I mean, I think they got to do something else, you know, pump in right. some artificial crowd noise, right. do something uh, just to make it more difficult. Right. Just because, you know, it's so silent. It's sort of, it's not normal. I mean, these aren't normal times, but yeah. Hopefully they'll catch like the, the shit talking that goes on. I think that'd be cool. Oh, you're yeah, you're yeah. going to hear the yeah. slide by a trainer now. You're gonna yeah, hear- you're going to hear everything. Which is going to be awesome, I think. So, yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. It's going to be a great fight night. I hope you guys all enjoy it. I hope you guys have enjoyed our our show tonight. You know, um, and until the next one, I'm Jose, and with me are Brad and Junie. Thanks, guys. Very guys. Easy.